Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today for our midweek recap of the sermon this week. We were back in Ephesians after our little break for Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. We got back into our Ephesians study, which we hopefully will finish by June. Uh, a little bit into June is my is my hope. And then probably for the summer, we will do some psalms, I think is what we decided. So we'll do a couple months of psalms. Uh, we might do a small Old Testament book as well before getting into First and Second Timothy. I think that's the plan so far. So that's what uh, just just an outlook for you, something for you to look ahead to is where we'll be doing. But we're in Ephesians chapter six, looking at verse fifteen of the armor of God. Verse fifteen says, "And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace." So we've been trying to take each piece of armor and spend a whole sermon on it. Uh, Maybe a little different than what we normally do because when you take a verse like that, verse 15, you can't just like sit in that verse. And what I mean by that is you're going to have to expand out, you know. And and so for me, what I thought would be the best thing to do is to talk about that word uh, gospel and talk about what does that actually mean mean and pastor dave told me before the sermon gospel is his favorite did you say favorite one of my favorite greek, greek words, words. Yes. and what is the word euangelion euangelion yep it's a fun word to say kind of mm-hmm. yeah you know euangelion <laughs> makes you sound smart yeah a little yeah. bit yeah yeah <clears throat> why is it your favorite why do you like it uh you know that's a good question i think I just, I like the way it sounds, <laughs> and uh, I think it's... Do you have a tattoo of it? <laughs> That's a good idea, though. I like that. Um, and I I think it's... It's, it's so, tattooed on my heart. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Isn't that a country song? I'm sure it, it could is. be. <laughs> I'm sure it is. It'd be a good Christian song. Wow. <laughs> but... Um, I like I, I, did, I did a little study of that where when I, I went through Romans when I was at my previous church and I did a study on that and actually it was used by um, I, I believe Julius Caesar to announce Pax Romana which is like mm-hmm. you know the, the Roman the kind of Roman peace you know the kind of uh, the um, language they use and it was used to announce good tidings and glad tidings so I think it's neat how the New Testament writers obviously the Holy Spirit use that to kind of bring out the essence of that word good news good tidings. So mm-hmm. That's why I like it. So in our bulletin, I, I wanted us to see that while it's a, a Greek word, and you're not going to find that Greek word in the Old Testament, but in the Old Testament we see this idea of gospel being used as well. And so in our bulletins, actually, and then I think Pastor Scott is the one who read a passage of Scripture out of Isaiah 52. In Isaiah 52, 7, it says, How beautiful, beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And that good news that's used in there twice is the same message here, gospel, right? That's, that's what gospel means is is good news here. And so we have to then ask the question, what is the good news that the that the Bible is, is talking about? And uh, R.C. Sproul, I'd said, had a uh, I read the article on Ligonier, but it said it was an expert I, excerpt, I think, from his Romans uh, study that he did. But he, he was saying in the New Testament there's like three specific 
ways that the word gospel seems to be used. One is a literary style. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call it the gospels. It's talking about the life of Jesus. Uh, his death, his burial, his resurrection as well are in those books. And, and so those have been labeled gospels. So that's one of the ways. Also, uh, he pointed out that during Jesus's life, Jesus would use this word, the gospel, this good news. Uh, John the Baptist uses it as well. And when they're talking about gospel, it always has to do with the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God coming. And Jesus would then relate that to himself often, that uh, because of me, the Messiah here, the one who's fulfilling scripture, the kingdom of God has come and is coming. And this is good news. This is the good news you've been waiting for. And so this is how Jesus would use that oftentimes in in his ministry. But then later in the New Testament with Paul, Peter, and them, you would see when they use the word gospel, it doesn't just talk about necessarily Jesus's life, but also the ramifications of his life then for mankind. Uh, So you get this fuller sense then of of the good news. You get kind of all that wrapped into it. Jesus's life, but then also now how his life has an effect on us today. What did you guys think of that? You guys think of anything else at all with that? No, I think um, I love uh, yeah the, the, that passage from the Old Testament and then mm-hmm. tying it to Christ. Right, I think is um, <clears throat> is so important because I, I think I could be wrong about this, but I was thinking about this. Another use of the idea of good news in the Old Testament um, is from. First Samuel chapter 31, and this helps, I think, to, to kind of describe what Jesus did, is whenever Saul died, you remember King Saul was killed, the Philistines mm-hmm. took his body, and it says here in verse 9 of chapter 31 of First Samuel, so they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. So the good news there was was news of victory on the battlefield mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and of an accomplished victory. And I think also it could have been used, wasn't the runner from Marathon, uh, that where we get the idea of Marathon, right? Yeah. They, they were running, running to announce the yeah. victory to the city. Yeah. And that's the idea of euangelion, of good news, of a proclamation of an accomplished victory mm-hmm. that has been has been done. And so whenever we're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ— we are running with the feet of the shoes of the gospel to proclaim to the world of Jesus's victory on the battlefield 2000 years mm-hmm. ago and, and the, the ramifications uh, of that as well. You think about images like, um, like whenever you see pictures of after the victory of world war two, you see pictures of people randomly, just the announcement of victory mm. over the Germans and you see random people hugging each other and just celebrating together um, because the victory on the battlefield had ramifications for the country. Mm-hmm. And that's what the gospel is. It's mm-hmm. it's the victory that Christ has won and all of the good things and the gifts and the implications that it means for us. It means peace has been established. Yeah, and what you said goes into the end of my sermon of where there seems to be two uses uh of these shoes that people kind of debate, I guess, of what does Paul mean by the readiness of the gospel? Are these shoes more a defensive tool? Because it seems like so far, you know, you have your your belt, you have your breastplate, which is defensive. Sounds like he's using some, and he'll, he'll go to shield and the helmet, and the last thing then seems to be a weapon. So are these shoes more of a defensive thing? Uh, so the, the first thing that people think about is maybe these shoes, because a Roman shoes would be like cleats, they had, you know, knobs on them, and if you knew anything about how Romans kind of fought, they would have their shields together, 
and they couldn't get pushed back. They'd want a nice firm, you know, grip. And so their shoes allowed this to happen. And so what the picture then is for someone, they interpret this is what the gospel does for us is it, it plants us firm on Jesus, the cornerstone. And we have this understanding of the gospel and all that Christ has done for us that then enables us as Satan pushes against us, we're not going to be moved because we're standing firm. That's kind of the defensive thing. But the it seems to be more modern interpretation. By modern, though, I don't mean like the past 20 years or anything. Just a more modern interpretation seems to be t- people taking Spencer what you said that they said there's no way Paul doesn't have in his mind this Isaiah passage mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so he's thinking about this because he again he's saying it's the gospel the good news and you're going and sharing it and shouting it right that Paul has to be meaning that you put these shoes on why to to go so just like a soldier if a soldier wasn't going why would he have shoes on right so he must be going in, in sharing this gospel of peace, um, I, I found people that I trust on both sides. Sure. And I, I think sure. I yeah. think there's truth to both sides. Right. And yeah. so, again, I didn't take some strong stand, like it's got to be this one. I think there's truth in both of them. What Paul was meaning specifically, I don't know if we can definitively say sure. it has to be this, but I think both uh, ways mm-hmm. can be extrapolated mm-hmm. from that. Yeah, I, guess. yeah, I yeah. agree. I think what you said, I mean, he, I don't think there is any way that Paul isn't thinking about the passage from Isaiah mm-hmm. when he's saying that. And he also uses that passage in another place where he's written before in Romans chapter 10, where he is explicitly talking about yeah. taking the gospel yeah. and preaching the gospel to people mm-hmm. who have not heard it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... I think there's got to be an element of that in the passage, but I mean, what you're you're saying, the the two sides of that are are right. Yeah, yeah. And even the Isaiah 52 passage, again, that whole idea of victory is God's people are trampled under by their enemies, and the proclamation "Your God reigns" is to mean the battle has been fought, and your God is still standing yeah, after it. Yeah, right. And so your God reigns, mm-hmm. Jerusalem. So wake up shake off all of the old clothes and the sackcloth and the yeah. ashes. And then the verse 10, uh, the Lord has bared his arm, mm-hmm. his might and his strength before all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. So we go and proclaim yeah. the victory. And so that's, and eventually in Isaiah 61, uh, God says, right, proclaim liberty to the captives. Mm-hmm. So we go out and proclaim it because God has won emancipation for all who will believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the reason I wanted that read first. You know, we we try to do the scripture readings purposefully. Also trying to tie in the New Testament readings that we've been encouraging everybody to do, which I think this week we're in John like 13 to 17, I believe. Um, But I wanted, you know, as Scott is reading that, it is this thought of like out in this world where crushed it feels we can be destroyed, but when we come to church together mm. and worship together, we're reminded of this, you know, and as you're reading it, I almost get this sense as you were reading it, not from you, but from like the crowd, like, what does this have to do with me? This old Testament passage, right? It sounds weird. Like we're in war and crushed, and, mm-hmm. but this is why, right? It's like, yeah, because we are, we're in this spiritual battle that we've been talking about in Ephesians and we come in from this battle and we're coming in to be recuperated, to remember why we continue to fight, but also to remember God reigns. Like he, mm-hmm. 
he has won and we stand victorious. And so I think as you read it, part of what I liked about it is it, is it says, right, Spencer, maybe like verse five, six, seven, something, like stand and sing and shout like there's a there's like a victory and a, and a yeah. praise thing, yeah. which right. we then are trying to do as a church. Like now let's stand and sing. Yeah. And we're singing yeah. a victorious song, mm-hmm. right? Right, because they're like watchmen, and and that's the beautiful thing is the we're, we're, it's like whenever we're re, whenever we're preaching the gospel message and the whole narrative of what happened, in a sense, we want to build the tension because we're all standing at the walls looking to see if Jesus is going to come through victorious. Mm-hmm. Can he cut off the serpent's head? Can he defeat sin, death, hell, and the devil? And and then with attention is though like we're watching they're waiting and then we see him the runner coming and our god has won another image reminds me of is you remember whenever david is uh, running away from his um from his son absalom and you remember there's two runners yeah. that are sent to report the victory of mm-hmm. the death of his son and he report runs these people and they and there's two remember the one guy the kushite is sent first and then david's friend wants to still tell the news and so joab says okay you can go ahead and go too and his friend runs and beats the other guy um but that's another announcement of what has happened mm-hmm. and that's what's so comforting one of the things you said tim uh in the message um, was that the gospel is not your testimony. Mm-hmm. It's good to tell your testimony, but strictly speaking, the gospel is not your testimony. And that that's where this whole idea of reporting what happened. The good news is that Jesus won on the cross and through the resurrection, mm-hmm. and that's what we're running to tell the world, mm-hmm. that message, yeah. that mm-hmm. proclamation with all of its implications. Mm-hmm. So why is it so important? I... I I mentioned this, I'd like to get your guys' thoughts, to be nitpicky about what the word gospel means according to scripture. Because it, right, I mean, it's a word that's thrown everywhere. It, I I would guess, I mean, I guess I, I don't know this 100%, but I guess it'd be hard to find a church, a Christian church, that wouldn't say they teach the gospel, Right, I mean, I don't know of any churches who are like, ah, oh, we've kind of disconnected ourselves from the gospel. There's ones that disconnected themselves from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. or there's some who've disconnected themselves from Paul, or from different things for sure. But I feel like they would all say, we still teach the gospel here. But we would probably take some issue with that, and then it becomes important to be nitpicky about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Have you run into that at all? And dealing with church members or people outside of the church to where you guys have had discussions and you start to think, I think we have a different definition of what the gospel is here. Have you guys experienced that personally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, 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 kind of what you were saying, Spencer, I, I agree. I think it's, you know, how you defined it. Because, I mean, these words... Words get, you know, lost in translation, if you will. You know, etymology, the study of words and, and all that changes as as culture changes and people redefine things. And I think that, you know, I have found talking to people, when you use the word gospel, it's often they don't understand. It's, you know, because you have, like, gospel music, you know. You have, like, and you made the point about that website. I had never heard of that, the um uh, he's here. Yeah, he gets us. He gets us, yeah. And so there's this subtlety of, like, 
these false messages, you know, the prosperity gospel, you know, mm-hmm. David mentioned the name it, claim it kind of idea last night in his message. And, and I think people need to, need to be almost taught or to unlearn things they've learned about words so they can relearn what the true meaning is. Yeah. And justification is another one. Salvation, sin, you know, people, when they hear those words, it's like, whew, it goes right over them or they have these different lenses they see it from some. And there's just some truth. If, if you're going to trust Jesus and you have a desire, let's say, for him to be your savior, then there is some knowledge that you have to have, right? We can't push that aside. There's some things you need to know. Mm-hmm. And so the conversation that needs to be had is, well, you're telling me that the Bible talks about good news, gospel. Number one, why do, why do I need? I mean, is the good news like I'm going to get some money? Or what? I mean, what is this? If you believe in the prosperity gospel, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, right. It's like, what is this good news? Yeah, you know, I need to know what you're talking about, and then it, if it's good news, is it good news for everybody? Because mm-hmm. there's things that could happen to me. You know, if you told me like, well, the Bible says you're going to get a new Toyota, might be good news for me, mm-hmm. but I know plenty of people at this church. You go to give them a new Toyota, they're going to be like, absolutely not, (laughs) right? Not good news for them. Not good news for them. And so it has to be a good news kind of universally Mm -hmm. that we're all in the same boat. We all need the same Mm -hmm. thing. And so what then is it? And it seems like some uh, today would say something similar to what that he gets us thing is, which I hate that I keep plugging that. I don't (laughs) mind if people go look at it, Um, but... To them, it, to them, the good news is kind of like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God understands what you're going right. through, and right. that's yeah. and that's enough. It's like he's kind of a buddy who can you can cry on right. his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And there's just a problem with that because according to the Bible, you need to talk about sin and you need to let people know this is the problem. The problem isn't I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, the problem isn't. I'm bullied. The problem isn't I don't have enough money or my parents are just a disaster. And because of that, I'm in a bad spot. That's not the problem. I mean, it is a problem, but it's not the problem that the Bible's talking about when it comes to good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The main problem is sin. And it seems to me that one of the biggest problems in churches today is an avoidance of that mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form. It comes in different forms, but it's, it's, we don't want to talk about sin, and we also don't want to talk about God's wrath towards sin because that makes God look mean mm-hmm. and not loving. That was something you asked a second ago, is the gospel good news for everyone? And I think the right answer to that is no, it's not. Uh, not necessarily. Um, John 3.16 and following came to mind when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son— that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so the gospel is news that we share with people, um, but it's, it's a message that if you do not believe in Christ then you are condemned as well. And like to some, that's that's not good news. That's not the aim, I guess, So, of, of sharing the gospel, of bringing the gospel to people. You obviously want them to, but it is also a message of like, 
if you do not believe, you are condemned. Yeah, and that's important to say because there are some who would teach that the gospel is a universal thing. That when Jesus died on the cross, he died for all mankind's sins. And therefore, in the end, because God is loving and gracious, everybody's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, I've heard that. Definitely. I'm sure you guys have as well. Uh, But again, that wipes out all of scripture (laughs) before of an understanding of, you know, who God is and and the results of sin and that there is a penalty for sin. Uh, And so we don't want to negate that and walk away from that. But again, that's what a lot of churches today are trying to avoid is talking about what you just talked about, Mm -hmm. right? They try to just push it aside or uh, I don't know. I I don't really know how to do that, honestly. So I would would struggle. (laughs) I mean, the, the message of the gospel is often shared in just such a way like you said, that makes Jesus look like a really nice guy, mm-hmm. like he did this for you, and only the positive side of that is shared. That What's not shared is the negative side of, number one, the judgment of God that he took on himself. If you if you do not believe in him uh, the way that you are called to and mm-hmm. repent of your sins, that condemnation is going to fall on you. Mm-hmm. That's what's coming. Right. Yeah. And so right. this you see, yeah. I would I'd be curious to know the history. Maybe you guys could talk about this more, but I'm sure that this has ebb and flowed ever since Jesus ascended uh of of the gospel. And what I mean by that is it seems like not too long ago, maybe a hundred years ago or so, the main way to preach the gospel was to tell everybody the bad. You're going to hell. Because of your sin and like almost scare people into trusting Jesus, the fire and brimstone thing that you hear about. But from what this is just from my knowledge, which could be off base, I'm not a historian, but it seems like after that happened, there was some pushback from some generations that were like, I don't think we like doing it this way. Let's tell about all the good stuff about Jesus, how he's your friend how he cares about you, how we have a loving father, and how if if you would just pray and ask him into your heart, he'd love to reside in your heart. Right? Mm-hmm. He's knocking. He's knocking. Just let him just let him in. And then all of a sudden that kind of became the gospel message, to which I think we're still kind of living with the ramifications of just speaking about that all the time mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Do you guys know any more about that, maybe? I think you're right. I mean, I think, I mean, if you look culturally in the 60s, you know, um, that's, you know, the shift after, you know, from the war, it was like, you know, uh, peace and love, and, you know, and the Jesus movement that was yeah. started in California mm-hmm. kind of came out of that as, right. a, as kind of a, a parallel in some ways, but it almost had this had this kind of flavor of like, you know, Jesus is going to make your life better, you know, you, you know, make love, not war, you know. And that he gets us.com references that movement. Okay. That so, they want to get back to that. Yeah. And exactly think, what you just said. I think that's where it turned, mm-hmm. you know, cult- culturally. I think that's where it turned, you know, the hippie movement, the, you know, the Jesus People USA came out of that 60s, you know, mm-hmm. the California you probably know about that as well. Spencer. Not much, okay. no. Yeah. You're a hippie, aren't you? <laughs> He's more about the Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, in addition to that, Dave, I think also if you look at the rise of psychology mm. and um, looking, I mean, everything today is psychologized, yeah. you know, and it's it's sought to be to be handled in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, that's, that's honestly what you see a lot of the 
quote unquote gospel yeah. mm-hmm. that you see today that's only meant to comfort people in their worldly troubles is really just yeah. pop psychology yeah. packaged in a Christian package. Yeah. That's really all it is. J.I. Packer, um, what's the book? Pursuit of Godliness? Is that the one about the Puritans? Oh, uh, no, the, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but he, yeah, yeah. He references that yeah. from, out of England in the 50s, the pop psychology movement and mm. how that kind of seeped into the church. Sure. So, yeah, interesting. Carl Truman's new book talks about that too. Yeah. Oh. That's where we've got with the sexual revolution and how mm-hmm. we identify ourselves is because of Freud and psychology and how much now we have le- leaned on that. And he mentions a lot of other mm-hmm. uh, things as well uh, yeah. in his book. But. Yeah, I thought of a passage that I maybe can kind of clarify something I said earlier about the gospel not being good news for everybody, just because that sounds like a very strange thing to say. But <laughs> yeah. the passage I was thinking of and couldn't couldn't find in the moment is Second Corinthians uh, chapter two, starting in verse fourteen. It says, "But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere." So the spread of the mm-hmm. gospel, right? Um, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So we are, there is one aroma, there's one smell yeah. kind mm-hmm, of these talking mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. among these two different right. groups. Yeah. And that's what he's saying. But the that one aroma has a different effect yeah. on those two different groups. He says, to one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Right. And so basically, like, there's to those who are being saved, this is good news, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to those who will believe it, but to bad news, it's a message of death. Mm-hmm. And of, that's, that's what I was going to bring up when you said that, and I got lost in my train of thought. But some have said, to those who've never heard of Christ before, Christ will let them in. Mm-hmm. And we would teach something very different that apart from the name of Christ, you cannot be a child of God. Right. And they're still dead in their sin. And those who would say, you know, they haven't heard of Christ, then the answer would be to stop doing missions, stop doing evangelism. And the best thing we could do is do not introduce Christ anywhere because they're going to get to go on a pass because mm-hmm. of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Completely and, goes against what Paul says in Romans chapter 10. Yeah, right. And exactly. what you're reading here. I mean, exactly. what we have is good news and we need to go share it. Some are going to choose no. And then it becomes not good news quote to them. Right. <laughs> I think one of the things important to the discussion is that people are not going to hell, first of all, for rejecting Jesus. Right. They go to hell and they are under condemnation, as you see in Romans 1, 2, and 3, mm-hmm. because they're sinners yes. against their creator. Mm-hmm. So the gospel comes to us already condemned, already in mm-hmm. Adam, mm-hmm. and the gospel comes... As good news, and in their sense, I would put it this way, the gospel is good news for everyone, but one of the implications is, if you reject the one good news there is, you're staying in your sins Mm -hmm. that you're Mm -hmm. already in. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we do take the gospel to the people who haven't heard of Jesus, because they are already under condemnation, rightfully so, according to God's just judgment, for the knowledge they've already got. Mm -hmm. So we go and take this gospel to them. And I, I think one of the things too is very important is we talked about how you present the gospel. And strictly speaking, what you were talking about, Tim, with the fire and the brimstone aspect, strictly speaking, all of the wrath stuff falls under the category. The old the old Protestant writers would say that falls under the category of law. Mm-hmm. That is the law. Mm-hmm. We preach the the law of Romans one, two, and three. We preach that. That is law, condemnation, and it's about 
what we should have done and have not done and what we are owed because of that. And then they would say, strictly speaking, the gospel is nothing but pure promise. It is nothing but what God tells us he's done for us. One of the dangers can happen is whenever we make the implications of the gospel, the gospel itself. So one of the implications of the gospel is now in light of what God's done, repent and believe. But the implications themselves, repent and believe, are not the gospel. Mm -hmm. But one of the problems can be is is if we tell people, well, just believe. Well, that's not the gospel. Believing is not the gospel. The gospel because, is because I mean, even the demons believe. Right. Has no well, in, in your faith that. has no what what people start to then think is their faith is meritorious. Right. Mm-hmm. When faith is nothing but just looking to what yeah. God. Yeah. Right. G- Spurgeon always points out. Um, he uses the metaphor often because that was the text that led him. Uh, to finally uh, be converted was look unto me. And so salvation is nothing but just looking at Jesus, Mm -hmm. looking at him and what he's already done. And I think that's very important because sometimes we can phrase the gospel in imperative terms right? as believe and repent. Mm -hmm. When those are actually the implications, the necessary implications that should flow from the gospel Mm -hmm. because Jesus has done this now, receive him because Jesus says, I'm, I'm bread that's come for you starving. I'm water for you thirsty mm-hmm. and then leave your sin. Here I am. Come to me because I've already come to you. Well, that was, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what Peter in Acts chapter two preached. Yes. You know, when he's preaching essentially the first Christian sermon after the Holy Spirit is descended and yeah. he tells everyone present what has happened, what's transpired. God sent his son he was holy. He was righteous. You killed him. Right. But God raised him up yeah. again, and he's ascended with the Father, yeah. seated with him at his right hand. And the people that hear it are convicted of their sin. Good God point. is working mm-hmm. in their hearts. They, and they mm-hmm. they come to Peter, and they say, well, what should we then do? What are the implications of this? What are we supposed to <laughs> yeah. do? If yeah. what you're saying is, yeah. like, they, they come to a point where they understand what he's saying is true. Right. And they ask him, well, what am I supposed to do now? Mm-hmm. Right. He says, repent and believe. Mm-hmm. Or, or be, baptized. Says, be baptized. Yeah. That's the same, it's, yeah. it's the yeah. same thing. Right, right. Right. And so repent and be baptized, right? And that's, you're doing that out of a, it's a response to something that is already true. Like he's not yeah. saying, yeah. Because what? the danger becomes is then salvation becomes something potential rather than something accomplished. Mm. So you're getting people then, if you're throwing them on their own resources and you're saying believe in order that you can, you know, like if you put the onus on believing instead of the gospel and therefore believe, what happens is is salvation becomes something I've got to do and meet the condition in order to get into him. And and it becomes a potentiality. But salvation is not a potential thing. It's an accomplished thing. Mm. I think what you're getting at. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think what you're getting at is that um, I'm really hyped up on coffee right now. Yeah, it's okay. a little we bit. all are. Is Tim drinking coffee too? Yeah. I drank a little bit. Okay. And I've, I've had, had a no rough, cre- rough morning. No creamer. <laughs> all right. I think what you're getting at though, Spencer, is like when you're talking about this, that our faith is not what gives us salvation. Right. What you're getting at is that it's, I think a way to talk about it is that it's not the strength of your faith, right? Your faith doesn't have to be super strong and you don't have to wonder like, am I really saved because my faith is really weak mm-hmm. right now? It is what your faith is in. Right. I've heard I've heard it said salvation. it's not your faith in Christ that saves you, it's Christ that saves you through faith. Mm. So 
That's the thing that I think that's so important is, is and it is faith. important because all of us as Christians at times have doubt. Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. if and if my faith is what is determining mm-hmm. my security in Christ, then there's probably some days that I'm out. Thomas. And, yeah, because I'm struggling, you know, to see the big picture and to understand or I could be, you know, in in sin or whatever it is and so I'm I'm struggling with that and that's why it becomes important to define these words yeah. yes because of security and then what Paul's talking about here being able to stand firm mm-hmm. and that that's a big deal the difference between you are secure in Christ for what he's done for you versus Tim you need to muster up some more faith mm-hmm. then it's that's a big difference yeah. and I have come across so many people in this town who it's about mustering up faith mm-hmm. you know someone's sick in the bed if we just would have more faith mm. I think our prayers would be heard because it mm. says the prayers of a righteous man avail mm-hmm. much we need to just have more faith you know and they they throw this around and what I see then is a uh, a despair that comes across when all of a sudden it goes a different way because the gospel has become a law. Yeah, that's what, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's become, yeah. yeah. And, good. and that's why it's important for us to know what, what is the gospel? And Paul, Paul shares for us very clearly. We read first Corinthians 15. He says, now I, I would remind you brothers of the gospel. I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And then he goes on to tell us. So it's like we have an insight here. When Paul would go to a new place, what's the gospel he preached? What's the good news he was sharing? Well, he's about to tell us. He says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So it's a message he was given by God that Christ died for your sins. So sin talked about, but Christ died for these sins in accordance with the scriptures, all scripture, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he then appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of who are still alive. So when you'd like ask Paul, what are you going around telling everybody? Mm-hmm. What's this good news that you're telling to these Gentiles? He would say this that Christ died for your sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. That's that is the gospel. That's the good news that God has done for us in his son. Jesus. And I think some would say, you're talking about being nitpicky over words and all this stuff. Yes, we are, but that seems pretty simple. So how do we quickly, how do we correlate that? How do we correlate the simple gospel message, but at the same time saying, but you got to be careful with terms and, and all that, you know, you get what I'm Mm -hmm. asking Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Yeah. What would you guys say to someone? Because I think we would all agree here. I I hope that, an eight-year-old can truly be justified in Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it would take a simple message. Well, Jesus says that the faith that he looks for is the <laughs> kind that kids have, not the kind the adults. Yeah, yeah you're ex- I mean, that's exactly right. right. I think it's important to remember all of the letters of Paul that sometimes befuddle us were written to churches made up of mm-hmm. moms, dads, kids, slaves, illiterate, illiterate people, <laughs> Not, yeah. smart people, mm-hmm. all sorts of a broad category. Hippies. And yet Paul, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Paul writes his letters to the Galatians where he's pretty nitpicky about what the gospel is. And he's expecting them to understand it. 
So I think the basic concepts of, and I think the key thing, right, what you just said there was in, in Paul's there, the emphasis on for us, mm-hmm. which is all about substitution. Everybody can get substitution. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody basically understands, you know, switching places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's that that basic message is very very teachable. Now, now there's going to be a lot of other aspects that you could nuance that and see here's other images you could you could use, but everybody gets that. And this is why it becomes important for what we today call discipleship, right? Evangelism is part of that. And so Paul basically saying here, this is the gospel message that I brought to you. Remember this, stand firm in this. But I think Paul also tells this church you need because he, he says you need to hold fast to the word and there's this idea of staying in it. And so Paul goes on to tell churches what they do. They, you know, you meet regularly and and you have apostles and pastors and teachers who are going to teach you the word of God and you need to be under this teaching. You need to have fellowship together. He starts listing and expanding this out and it that's all implications of this gospel it message is. and the change in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we continue to grow and to understand it more. And sadly, there are some who just take that first, they, they hear that gospel message, they're like, oh, that's, that's a cool idea. I trust in that. But then none of the implications mm-hmm. play out in their life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's a, yeah. that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you can't have this then without the implications that right. come. You should right. have now a desire to be a part of God's family, mm-hmm. to be in the body. Right. You know, all these, all these other things that we want to be careful that we take care of. And it's in these implications, it's in these teachings and these trainings where we start to learn more. And what I found personally is when I got away from saying, I don't want to know all the nitpicky stuff. I just want to, I just want Jesus. When I finally got that out of my mind, the security that I have felt by being nitpicky and really trying to study it, what God has given me is exactly what Paul is saying here. I feel like I have a much stronger firm grasp of the ground. And, and I think mm. I think it's helpful because what, what you're saying, I think the term, because some people use the word nitpicky, which has a very negative connotation. And there is probably sometimes where some of us can be more too nitpicky. Yeah. But what you're saying is more of, we just want to be clear. Clear, yeah. Right? Yeah. We, we just want to have a, a, a solid yeah. grasp of these basic mm-hmm. Christian ideas. Mm-hmm. And, and no one should be able to argue with just having a clear yeah. grasp yeah. of some of these basic concepts. Yeah, and, and it's done a lot for me when it comes to knowledge, right? That's helpful. So when, let's say, I really feel Satan is attacking me, I'm really doubting my faith or something, doubting something, be, knowing God's word better helps me then to to say in my head you know we all have these conversations in our head that's wrong what i'm hearing is wrong what satan mm. is telling me you you must not be his no that's not true mm-hmm. i know according to god's word what is true mm-hmm. and what it also then does for me i have found as i've grown in it more it also then changes my emotions it changes my heart like it's not just the head knowledge god has used that head knowledge to strengthen my spirit i would say and my soul so that I think, and I'm not trying to brag or anything, I feel like it's much harder for Satan to knock me over than he once was. And it comes mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. having a clearer understanding of what God's word is mm-hmm. teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people are like, I just don't want to read. I don't want to put, what is, you know, what's the use of the work? You're telling me it's a simple message. Just by faith, believe, right? And it's like, yeah, but, you know, you need to, if you want to withstand, you want to be strong, 
I'm encouraging you to know this stuff. Like, put in the work and the effort to know this stuff. Yeah. Because it really does have an impact on your life. You know, when when grandma passes away or, I don't know, just whatever it might be, the things of like you lose a job that you were really looking to, it's going to help you to stand firm mm-hmm. knowing God's word very clear and all these things. Yeah, so you'd asked about why this is such a simple message, yet we tend to forget it or not be clear about it. And I can think of, I mean, at least three things pop to my mind that I thought of. They all start with P. No, they don't. (laughs) Maybe they do. I just don't realize it yet. But at least three things. I think, first of all, is, and this is just very innocent, I think, the things that we become very familiar with, we tend to just not think about very much. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you've been in church your whole life, you just maybe no, don't think about it in terms like that. It becomes a, a Christianese word that you just assume the meaning of. I think that's one, and I think a lot of that's just very innocent for a lot of people, not necessarily a wrong thing. We just kind of lose sight. The other one, I think, uh, number two, would be people sit under preaching that is not focused on the gospel. It's more focused on helping you in your everyday life, mm-hmm. you know, your everyday problems in life. And that's what preaching and that's what being part of a church means to you. So, you don't ever hear the gospel very much in church beyond the day that you became a Christian or at Vacation Bible School or something like that. Um, but then I I think uh, I can't think of the third one anymore. Must have just been those two. It's okay. Two, Man, two points is fine. Yeah, we'll have to do a second part or when you <laughs> oh, remember. It. I remember oh, now. No, there it I, is. It, yeah, we got it. Holy Spirit, help me. <laughs> Boom. Got it. <laughs> uh, I think the other, the last one would be. I think that. We just don't share it enough, and it's not it's not on our minds, and we don't think about it. Mm. And because we don't tell other people about it, we're not thinking about it. But if mm. we are, like you said in your message, that the message of the gospel is good news, which means it's not burdensome. Mm-hmm. It's a joy to share it with people. And I think that if if we can't clearly define the gospel, that's probably a sign that we're not sharing it very much mm-hmm. with people. Uh, and the reason we, or the reason we don't share it very much with people, is because it's not clear in our minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a big one. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I think this is a a topic that we could stay on. I know us, we could stay on this for a long time talking about the gospel. The and, and there's more coffee it. over there. We could go get more coffee. No, and we're good. We might have to make some more at this point. Uh, <laughs> that's not a problem. <laughs> the good news of coffee. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's something, you know, at the beginning of, of, of the message, we need to close, I know, but is, uh, I said, this should be elementary stuff, what we're going to talk about today. And I hope it would be, but a reminder too, that I think we try to make, and it speaks to what you said, Scott, is understanding that the gospel isn't something that God just did for me when I was seven or eight years old, but it's something that I'm in every day. He has given done the gospel for me every single day. And it's something as a Christian I need every day, and I need to rest in it every day, and I need to be thinking about it. It's not something I get past. It's not like, okay, I'm past I'm past the gospel, I'm past salvation, I'm past justification, but now I want to talk more about, I'm, I'm now on to sanctification. So <laughs> let me just focus on that all the time. When we do that, I think is when we start to go astray, like you were saying, and we start to forget. And the gospel is something for everyone. If you've been saved for fifty years, mm-hmm. 
you still need the gospel. You still need to hear it. It's not a old message. It's not something that should be seen as boring or, like I said, something that you're past. It's something we rest in always. And it's so important, again, to know it because you can you can start sniffing out these false gospels all over the place. Like it's easy to sniff out the false gospels in our society, you know, of like money or whatever that non-Christians do. What they is the gospel to them. But sometimes it can be a little trickier when you when you roll up to the First Baptist Church and you're expecting to hear a gospel message and you start to listen and you trust it because it was the First Baptist Church, but as you know this, you can start sniffing out like what this guy's talking about doesn't seem to be like gospel centered, as we would say. And, and that's where I think we as pastors, we want to be there for sure to be able to catch that. But we want those that we're trying to minister to to be able to catch that, too. You know, if you pick up a book that you get at Ollie's for three bucks, some Christian book, I want you to be able within the first chapter or two to say, eh, this smells weird. You know, this doesn't seem gospel centered. It seems like something else is going on here. And we, again, it's for our betterment. It's for your betterment to be able to withstand those things and to know on which you stand. And, and that should be the gospel message that we talked about and that Paul talked about there in Corinthians. So, you guys got anything else, real quick? It is foundational for uh, who we are, for what we do. And we want to be a church family that is centered on the gospel in in all things as much as we you know as much as we can and yeah we do things that are fun and there's nothing wrong with that i don't think everything we do as a church you know it's like oh we have a dodgeball tournament hold on let's talk about the gospel real quick with everybody can we do that yeah we have opportunities to do that sure but it's okay to have fun and do these different things but i'm talking about our our worship our strategies our our evangelism all of these things that we are about should always be about letting people know and reminding ourselves of what Jesus has accomplished because that's the good news that the world is desperately seeking. And added on there, which we haven't talked a ton about, but he says that it's a gospel of peace. And we live in a world, people look for peace. They look for outlets. They look for ways to get away from the hecticness of world of the world, and they do it in a lot of ways. They buy a boat and go out to the lake or <clears throat> whatever, whatever it might be. And we as Christians, I think it was MacArthur said it once, and I was shocked to hear him say it, but I think it's true, just because it sounded very prideful. But he was like, as Christians, you're the smartest people in the world because God has given you the truth. And you have it. You have what the world desperately needs. And only you have it as the church. And you need to let them know about it. You need to share it. And don't be ashamed of it. It is good news. It's exciting news. And so let others know. If they say no, God has allowed them to have that choice. Uh, and you keep loving them. Keep trying to care for them. Keep sharing with them if you get that opportunity. Uh, but it's something that we need to be faithfully uh, doing is spreading this gospel message of what Jesus has done and then what the implications are because of it. So hopefully you find that encouraging. Hopefully uh, it encourages you to continue studying it, to continue to try to understand that gospel message clearer and clearer. And you will not regret understanding it more and being in God's word more, I promise you. So hopefully we'll uh, see you back this coming Sunday as we'll look at the next little section there of Ephesians together in Ephesians 6, verse 16, or I think it's just part of verse 16, though. 
uh, that we'll be looking at. Uh, but otherwise, if we don't see you Sunday, hopefully you have a good rest of the week. But we do hope that we see you on Sunday, Lord willing. So mm-hmm. God bless. Have a good week.